We got through it. Finally, I knew this game was going to be weird. This was an opportunity game. I thought the Rebs would cover. I predicted 41 to 10, 41 to 14. That's right around the score that finished up. Ole Miss beat them worse than the number one Georgia Bulldogs did. I knew that this game was going to be weird and they needed to get through it. And now the fun can start. Anyway, this is the Locked On Ole Miss postcast. You are locked on Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ole Miss, a 33-7 winner over Vanderbilt. Honestly, it was a completely defensive mismatch where they just completely took over. Vandy put in a quarterback that they could just run it up the middle pretty consistently because that was their only hope of moving the ball. I think Vandy finished with – let's look this up real quick. Let's set this up to present. And boom. Turn the audio off because audio is crazy. All right. So if you look at this – and I will drop this off so everybody can see it and do that as well. Um, Vandy had 60 yards passing for the game. This would be a back-to-back. First time Ole Miss has given up less than 150 yards passing in back-to-back SEC games, probably in 30 or 40 years. Uh, I mean, we're getting back to, like, old-school football. Vandy did have 44 carries for 169 yards, ran for about 3.8 a carry. Um, Walter Taylor, the big quarterback that came in and took over for Ken Seals, was 20K, 59 yards. There was nothing that they can consistently put together offensively. They ended up with about 230 yards of total offense. The offense kind of got stagnant after a fast start. I credit to the offense and credit to Jackson Dart because I told everybody all week this was a bring-your-own-energy type of game. and. That is absolutely the case. And Ole Miss came out fairly, fairly quickly and got a 26 to nothing lead. They took that into halftime. The offense really didn't come back out after halftime, but honestly, they didn't have to. It became just um, preserving yourself to get ready for what could be two really fun games. And here in just a second, um, I'm going to get to the comments as well as soon as I do that. I'm not ignoring that right offhand. But if you look at what's going on, Dart was 19 or 28, 240 yards. There was a, a problem with the stunts on defensive lines. Remember, Clark Lee is the one that laid the blueprint on how to attack the Ole Miss offense. He's, he knows how to deal with this offense. We played Clark Lee maybe three times. Maybe that was one was Derek Mason. But the last three times that they played in Oxford, Ole Miss has scored 33, 31, and 31. I think the first time was Derek Mason. But Clark Lee, it was like a 31-17 to 17 game. That was the Mike Wright game where they put a running quarterback in, and it got a little bit weird. And then this 33-7, to 7, this game was over at halftime. It, there was no chance, no world, period, that Vanderbilt was going to score four touchdowns against Ole Miss in the second half. That just wasn't something that could realistically happen. And I was relaxed pretty much for the whole game, literally. Once Ole Miss got going, they had some problems in the red zones early. I mean, they had a, 
At halftime, it should have been 35 to nothing. I think we can all agree with that. It should have been 35 to nothing. It was 26 to nothing, and I'm okay with that, kind of. And they went into halftime. They came out in the third quarter slow. They thought the game was over. They thought that they would do it a certain way. And Vandy got a touchdown on a great catch by the tight end, by the way. Props to him. And a nice throw by that um, Walter Taylor quarterback who was 4 of 12 for 38 yards and one touchdown. Now, rushing-wise, Ole Miss ended up running for 177 yards. Again, Clark Lee knows how to deal with this and how to scheme things up defensively. He's a pretty good defensive coordinator. This Vandy team is better than their record says. They're more explosive. They're just young. They're just really young. But I'm not saying that a two-touchdown game against this team would have been okay. But I'm saying 33-7. to That's not something to um, freak out about. Dayton Wade, eight catches, 120 yards. Trey Harris, six catches for 67 yards. Jordan Watkins kind of looked like himself. Three catches, 46 yards. Zachary Franklin did not play. Don't know what happened. I don't understand it. I assumed that they were going to try and get him ready to go. Dayton Wade kind of slid in the outside, and they just they force-fed Dayton Wade. And for lack of a better word, Dayton Wade rewarded them for doing it. So Trey Harris played fairly well. And like I said, Jordan Watkins, three for 44 with a broken hand. Pretty fantastic. Jarek at Ivy, by the way, two and a half sacks in the game. Two and a half sacks. J.J. Pekis had a sack. Cedric Johnson had a sack. Five sacks total for Ole Miss. Seven tackles for loss. Two interceptions. So two another two interception game for Ole Miss football. So. I think we're in a situation to where we should be pretty happy about what's going on. We proved that we didn't play with our food. If you watched the Penn State-Indiana game earlier in the day, that game did not happen. Um, Washington struggled until the fourth quarter, fourth quarter game against 2-5 and five Stanford. Oklahoma got beat by Kansas today. It's important to win these games. And to not only that, win these games somewhat impressively. I didn't want a tight game to where we're stressing. We got to put a backup quarterback in with nine minutes to go in the game. Would I have liked to see more? Yes. I would have liked to have seen Walker Howard. But as it stands, fine. Now the fun can truly begin. SEC Nation has said they're going to be at the Ole Miss-Texas A&M game next week. This defense probably matches up fairly well against Texas A&M. Ole Miss will be up for that game with how talented they are. And schematic-wise, you may have noticed the offense tweaking and trying some different stuff just to put it on film for Texas A&M. So it wasn't even just attacking Vanderbilt straightforward. That, that wasn't what Ole Miss was doing. They also were making preparations for Texas A&M, trying to do stuff to make them have to spend practice time working on it as well. I think Ole Miss is in a good position against Texas A&M. I think Ole Miss is going to be favored in that game by about a touchdown. And I think that Ole Miss is going to win that game, honestly, if it goes to chalk. I'm not impressed um, about the Texas A&M offense, although they do schematically some things that can hurt you, and they have some really talented players. 
and their defensive line is really good. And everybody's going to say, hey, the defensive line today was a problem. Yes, but the defensive, the offensive line, like I said, they, they didn't show up in the second half. They did all right in the first half. They opened up holes. They did what they needed to do. And they just stalled in the red zone. I mean, that, that, that was kind of their undoing in the first half. But Ole Miss did what they needed to do. Now the fun gets to begin. This is the biggest game in Ole Miss since 2015. And everybody's like, well, Texas A&M's like four and three. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's big for the reason of what it means if Ole Miss wins. Because I'm going to say this right now. If Ole Miss beats Texas A&M and handles business during the week, the week afterwards is the biggest game in Ole Miss football since you could say 2003, maybe because of what it means since 1952. That is a Maryland-type game. When Ole Miss beat the Maryland Terrapins, they announced their arrival on the scene with Johnny Vault. That's what a win versus Texas A&M would do. That will give you that opportunity of Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss announcing their arrival to the world as well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty – Pretty excited. Honestly. All right, let's go through the chat a little bit and see what's going on. Let's see. Tim Skelton says, Hotty Toddy, Zach Tyler, um, H-Y-D-R. Uh, Matthew Mitchell, let's go. Um, I want to see more of J.J. at quarterback. He was an I don't know what – I don't care what anybody says. You know – they're setting something up on that. You know, I was talking about earlier about putting some stuff on film. That is what they're putting on film. And J.J. Pegues is going to throw a pass to Spencer Sanders at some point this season. It's going to happen. They have put that on film for a reason. So I'm really interested to see what it says. And J by the way, J.J. Pegues actually scored on that play. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Zach Tyler says seven and one. Let, now let's go win. Yes, now the fun gets to happen. It, now you can re, you can really enjoy what's going to happen. And I am not going to judge the crowd one little bit in the second half of this game. This is their off game with Texas State. That's the game that they need. So in back to back weeks, if one week gets kind of pushed under the back burner are on the back burner, all of a sudden, Texas A&M. We need them there for Texas A&M. That is the, the last gasp game, but Ole Miss needs a true home field advantage, real similar to LSU um, in that game. Um, 229 yards, that sounds like what Vanderbilt had. Vanderbilt, I'm telling you, Pete Golding's giving up less than 300 yards. He's great SEC I don't want to hear anything about Arkansas and Auburn and Vanderbilt because those type offenses and things like that, Ole Miss has played them in the past, and they would still put up 350 and 400 yards on us. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that it's just Vanderbilt because Ole Miss beat them worse than the number one team in the country beat them. Ole Miss didn't play with their food like Oklahoma did and got beat today, like Washington did where it was a late fourth quarter game with Stanford. They didn't do that. Penn State, where it was a late come late one touchdown lead with Indiana having the ball and a safety that kind of saved them. 
I, I don't want to hear it, period. Offense played vanilla except for one play to the tight end Wolf. Um, I, I think the offense played vanilla, but I think that it was a situation where the offense also um, wanted to put some stuff on film that Texas A&M has to actually work, look at. And J.J. Pegues playing um, wildcat quarterback and Spencer Sanders on the field in regular game situations where team have to, teams have to worry about Spencer Sanders going in as a packaged player, um, I think they did that as well. Um, I'm over Frank. Dayton Wade is the man. That's that's not an either-or type situation. You can be all in on both of them. And Dayton Wade is a fantastic player. His catch tonight was absolutely unreal. Ole Miss and Georgia is going to be a great game. we got to beat A&M first. Got to beat A&M first. Texas A&M and Georgia next, which are winnable games. Texas A&M can't handle a pass rush, and yeah, we can absolutely get after the quarterback. That The reason Ken Seals got taken out of that game is because they couldn't block our pass rush, and they knew they could not run a normal offense against our defense. Think about it. When was the last time that Ole Miss was in a game and they completely outmatched the person they were playing completely. There's three games in a row. Three games in a row where you just know that, hey, you're not going to be able to see a sustained drive. Now, Ole Miss absolutely needs to get their punting situation figured out. Giving Vandy the ball at the 50-yard line or punt can't happen. Just can't. Because when the defense is playing this well, you can lean on them. And you see the evolution of our football team. The one, the the excitement that we all have based on this defense and what they can do. It's pretty good, pretty cool. Um, why don't we pass it to Priest Corner in the red zone? Um, I think it's a situation, like I told you, that at the beginning of the year, Lane Kiffin picks out three players. And those three players are going to, in order, get the play calls, what's going on. Priest Corn is down at three or four on that list. But Trey Harris is always going to be the first option. And then, obviously, Dayton Wade tonight, with the way his hand was working, he moved up and became the second option. But, you know, Reed, you're not exactly wrong on that as well. Uh, James McDonald said, I seen Hudson Wolf. Yes. Um, Hudson Wolf back playing. It was good to get him into the ball game, especially in a real, real lifetime situation for Hudson Wolf to get some experience as well. The AP snubbing of Ole Miss is honestly concerning and frustrating. Everything that matters at this point, covering the spread back to back against SEC teams is definitely noteworthy. Yes, it absolutely is. And I'm telling you, the AP, the, the writers in the AP have made the narrative that the SEC is down and the Pac-12 is good. And since the Pac-12 is basically going away, they're going to protect that narrative at all costs. And if you look at the SEC, Georgia, whenever Georgia deems you worthy of them getting up for you, it's a problem. I think when Ole Miss plays Georgia and Athens, it's going to be a problem. I think Ole Miss can beat Georgia. I do not see a situation to where Georgia is down, to where they play sloppy. I think you're going to get Georgia's best shot. So if you beat them, it's because you deserve to beat them. 
But um, Missouri before them, Tennessee after them, maybe you know it get it gets a little bit weird as well. With Zach Tyler, I guarantee if we went out and Bama loses um, the SEC ship, the committee will find a way to put a two-loss Bama in over us. It probably, probably. Uh, don't worry about the AP poll. Wait for the playoff polls. The problem, Christopher Dickey, is the AP poll influences the playoff poll. The playoff poll is going to look a whole lot like what we see in the AP and the coaches poll. And that is because over eight weeks, the narrative gets established of what teams are good, what conferences are bad, things like that. And because of that, the playoff, first playoff poll might have a situation where Ole Miss is about in the same spot as they are in the AP and the coaches poll. We'll see what's going on. Anyway, we'll get back in the comments in a section, but we went over 5,000 subscriptions um, on Friday. So thank you very much for that. And because of that, we are going to start doing a Tuesday live stream. It's going to be um, Locked on Ole Miss, um, Locked on Ole Miss Shark Tank Live. And we're going to do that starting every Tuesday. But this Tuesday, we were going to normally do it at 7 Central. But this Tuesday, I may have to spend some time on the playoff show if Locked on does that. So we may have to push the Locked On Shark Tank live to after I record that playoff show. And if they do that like the college football kickoff live, it'll show up on my channel anyway, so you can see what I say. Um, but just a heads up for that as well. Thank you so much. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you have subscribed, please tell a friend. And if you listen to the show on Spotify or iTunes, which a ton of you do, um, please subscribe to the YouTube page because once we get to 6,000 subscriptions, we're going to do a show on the road. We're going to do road shows. Like I will do episodes from the hotel where the bowl is being played if I'm there or something like that. So 6,000 subscribers will put us there as well. So if LSU beats Alabama, we have a tie. It'd be a three-way tie. And the three-way tie rules are kind of weird. I have to see how it all plays out. Ole Miss will be the highest-ranked team in that scenario, by the way, though. And if LSU beats Alabama, Alabama is basically out of the playoff. Um, Dart was horrible, cannot perform with pressure. and miss, he, he had a bad couple of drives. That's fine. That ignores the fact how much he was completely on in the first quarter. How he got it together on that last drive. I don't think he was horrible. He completed 70% of his passes. The interception was bad because he got greedy. And that was just because they were doing whatever they wanted to offensively. I don't think he was horrible. Hunter Beasley says, happy for the win, but this kind of play won't, at, won't win at Georgia. Um, this game type of play will not happen at Georgia. Um, the reason this happened is because there was such a big lead in the beginning. I hate this transitive property thing. If this happens, this happens. No, it's, that, it's not going to go down like that. It never does. Just like um, if the performance against Alabama happens against LSU, Ole Miss isn't going to win that game. That offense is no way going to be able to beat LSU. Look what happened. So I, I don't agree with that, Hunter, at all. Jackson Williams said the offense played vanilla except that one play to tight end Wolf, potentially. 
Uh, let's see. Hurston Williamson said, pre-scoring coming back was so huge. Amazing to see him and Hudson out there at the same time. It It's coming. Did, did they run 12 personnel? I missed that. Um, somebody in the chat, whenever we get to it, let me know, confirmed if Ole Miss ran 12 personnel, two tight end sets. Because if that happens, that's a game changer against Texas A&M and against Georgia. And I will talk about that as it goes. Game day at Georgia versus Ole Miss potential? Yes, absolutely. Infuriated sloth. It was nice to watch an Ole Miss football game without being stressed. Yeah, I was on the, um, the our Discord channel talking about it, and, and people were stressed out about it. It's like, if until it gets to two scores, I, I don't get stressed. I just enjoy it. And everybody said they wanted a stress-free game. This was a stress-free game. Was there a lull in the middle eight minutes of the um, game, which has happened every single football game? That's the area they need to clean up. The middle eight to eight to sixteen minutes of the football game—that's where the lull is happening. So that's interesting. I think we moved to nine. Our defense is not a fluke; they're the real deal. Yeah, this is a defensive team. And I think Lane is evolving to think that. And his decision-making is based off of that. I think this front seven is pretty good. And whenever you have, like, Cedric Johnson getting home, whenever he starts getting home, it's Katie bar the door because you have Isaac Ukwu, you have Jared Ivey, you have now J.J. Bakis that is really starting to work, and you have Sunterian Perkins really showing out on the outside as well, Ladarius Tennyson, Kari Coleman. There's an explosivity of this defense that is kind of impressive as well. Infuriate Slaw said JJ got robbed of a touchdown. Yes, he absolutely did. That was a touchdown. Uh, JJ touch pass soon. Yeah, that's happening as well. I, I can see it. They're building up. I think they're going to do that against Jimbo, maybe. JJ Pekis is a true wild card in so many ways, um, according to Arise Music. Yes. Um, Thomas Smith says, where was Zakari? I don't know. I do not know. Um, maybe he got dinged up. Maybe something happened. Maybe he just wanted to be load managed to make sure he's absolutely 100% for the next two games. Maybe he doesn't want him to have a breakout game against Vanderbilt before Texas A&M and Georgia. Maybe he is the secret weapon. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Hotty Toddy from Alabama, let's win out from James McDonald. Yes, Ole Miss absolutely can win out. Can. It's going to be hard as heck against Georgia. Georgia is just, they're number one for a reason. And there's a reason they haven't lost a conference game in like three years. But Ole Miss can get them. Ole Miss has the talent and the ability to get them. Doug Miller says, interesting performance. So happy with the defensive structure and identity. Pass rush is really coming on. Offensive drop-offs are concerning simply because they seem self-inflicted. Yes, whenever Ole Miss is in a position to where they get into third and long, it becomes problematic. They need, they need that first down play to get going. Whenever it doesn't happen, they have a tendency to go, honestly, three and out. And whenever it does go in, they can be unbelievably elite offensively. So it's it's weird. It's, it's very weird. 
Um, James Mendoza asked, did anyone look like they got injured in this game? I, I did not notice that they did. Um, I think we got out pretty healthy, and I think that's the reason Lane Kiffin just took some people out of the game um, at the end because he's like, hey, we've won the game. We've done enough to get, get the job done. Let's quit doing so much in the second half. Black Tyler, Stephen, good win, buddy. I'm proud of the D-line and Trey Washington for dominating night. But I got to ask, where do we come in on the CFB poll on Tuesday? Um, yes, I, I do need to talk about Trey Washington because having two picks in the game, we've talked about the the defense missing somebody that A.J. Finley, that that role that he provided in the past, they, they, they needed that quarterback in the back of the defense, and that is becoming Trey Washington. And he's just kind of ball hawking back there and playing center field. And I, I'm proud of it. That, that's pretty – pretty, I'm pretty fired up about that. We could mention Vandy put up 20 on Georgia. With Ken Seals at quarterback, by the way, the player that they took out of the game just because there was no chance. There was no chance for um, the Vandy quarterback to um, be a drop-back pass threat against the Ole Miss defense. I mean, that's so weird. How about that job Rule is doing in Nebraska? Frost really was a huge head um, head coach plus. Um, I think any situation that a coach goes home is problematic. The offense that he ran in Nebraska was not the offense that he got hired at Nebraska at UCF. He basically wanted to do a modern version of Tom Osborne, and it just didn't work. Where do you think we'll be in the polls? I think we will. Sh we should be in the top ten. Um, in the coaches poll, at least. Um, Oklahoma is going to drop to 14. That should put Ole Miss at least 10. Um, I think that they should jump Penn State. Penn State looked like um, garbage. Heck, Washington looked like garbage. And right now, Oregon State's playing Arizona. So depending on what happens in that game, um, depends on where Ole Miss ends up. But I, I would put Ole Miss – my guess is 10th in the coaches poll, 11th in the AP poll and ninth in the college football playoff ball, if that makes sense. Um, that, that's my guess. How about USC uh, messing around with Cal? Um, what a joke. Yeah, they're fraudulent. They're absolutely fraudulent. Scott Bailey, not so good win for our Rebels, but I'll take it. That, that was a fantastic win, Scott. Ole Miss won and covered over a huge line that nobody thought they would. Defense played great. That's important. The offense needed to start playing better. They put up 33 points and really stopped playing. They have to get more consistent. That's fine. Um, I agree with that. The middle eight minutes of the game, that's problematic for Ole Miss for whatever reason this year. Um, but they started out really fast and built up a 26-point lead like within the first 20 minutes of the ball game. So I, I think they did enough. I'll put it like that. Um, watching UNC versus Georgia Tech game makes the Georgia Tech win seem better. Georgia Tech's not a bad football team. They're they're not. They sh they had Louisville on the ropes, and we saw see how good Louisville's been, and they beat Miami. Uh, I held my breath when Dajon Anthony lifted off the field. Lucky it wasn't serious. He came back in. We need that guy. That looked like a cramp. Honestly, that you know, I saw that as well. 
Infuriated Sloth said, ever since I moved to Athens, I've been waiting for the Rebels to play at Georgia. I'm excited for 11-11. Got to beat A&M, though, first. Yes, have to win that game. That game is a must game. Don't play tight. Play loose. They take they take the um, the mindset of your head coach that tends to happen. Um, so we'll see exactly how that goes as well. Is Frat Road Charlie an actual punter? Um, like seriously, I could punt twenty five yards, totally wasted. Just say, yeah, our punting situation is problematic at the moment, especially with how well our defenses play. It's kind of a sad thing. Scott Bailey, not a great win for our Rebels. Okay, we got that one already. Matthew Mitchell says, congrats on 5K, Stephen. Thank you very much. Um, again, tell a friend, evangelize the podcast as well. We have new shows coming out at 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central every day. We'll talk about what we learned in this game. Um, Scott Bailey says, love that shirt, Stephen. Got to get me one. Yes, this is the um, new Realtree stuff from Tyler Jordan. Got it from the college corner. They shipped it out to me. Um, made sure that I got it before today's show. Um, it came in on Friday, and I really appreciate them. They didn't have to do that. The freaking out over a mediocre performance in dark – this was not a mediocre – this was an efficient performance. There was There was one bad throw where he he forced the ball and tried to play the ball, and it got picked off during the two-minute drill. It wasn't even a mediocre point performance. It was just not up to what he normally does, which tells you how good he normally is. It's obvious that Lane held back and didn't run up the score. Good win. Hopefully everyone is injury-free. Defense looked good. Dart was not bad, Donnie Clark. He wasn't. He was just efficient. He 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 um, missed a couple of passes in the middle eight of the game, but he was not necessarily bad. Glad with the win. Disappointing offensive performance. Always take the foot off the pedal, it seems, with the OC. It's team covered. I mean, you did enough to win and cover the game. Christopher Dickey says, front seven is good. That's the difference with um, A&M. Yeah, it's going to be a situation to where we're going to have to call games to get the ball out quickly against that front seven. The offense is going to have to look like it did against LSU, against Texas A&M, because they can really get after you. Now, the same is true for Ole Miss going up against A&M because our front seven is good enough to cause problems with their offensive line as well. This is a game that, in certain areas, Ole Miss doesn't have the talent matchup. I think in this case, Ole Miss has the better coach. And I expect us to scheme it up pretty well, honestly. I did notice Perkins did not play as much tonight. Any ideas to why? Perkins plays um, a lot when a running quarterback is in the game because of the athleticism that Perkins brings. Whenever it's a brainiac-type game, your true freshman problems appear. So he wasn't on the field when Ken Seals was playing because they gave Ken Seals credit to kind of take advantage of that matchup. And they didn't want to be targeted because Clark Lee is actually a really good football coach. He's the one that came up with the blueprint with how to defend our offense last year. That's what happened. I mean, whenever he thought it wrinkles this time, I'm sure it was something he did. 
So that's one of the reasons I'm not freaking out about this offense, because if we remember correctly last year, first half, Ole Miss was down, what, 17 to 14, and it should have been 17 to 7. It took like a two-minute drive to get it to 17-14. Um, Georgia Tech making it close against UNC. Um, that is interesting. Let's see. Bring up uh, one, one of my – also, Bob, one of the multi-views. Just absolutely. It's just fantastic. I, I love the um, quad boxes and the all of that. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't have your YouTube TV needs to have it. They played in a few games, um, in a few games, very low key to save the offense. They Wade's good. I think Dade Wade, Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, I think whenever those three are performing at the peak level, that's probably when this offense looks the best. That's when Quinshawn is the best. Taking Caden Priestcorn as well. Whenever all four of them and they're working in concert, Ole Miss is difficult to stop. Trent Cornelius, I think, was spoiled with how good Dark's been playing, freaking out too much over one bad game. He did not have a bad game. Dart in this game was 19 of 28, 240 yards, a touchdown, and interception. It, 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 it's 65% of his passes. He wasn't bad. It, it, he just wasn't. Georgia Tech just took the lead. Nice. Um, Jamie Meredith says, this is exactly what we needed tonight. No injuries and a 26-point win. Lots of young players got time. Exactly correct. We need to play better at AM. If we step it up a little, we should beat them. We'll be favored in that game by probably about a touchdown, honestly. Um, Zach Tower says, Congratulations on 5,000 subs for the best locked on channel on the platform. The show has come a long way. It, it really has. And we're in the process of going from what we were to what we can be. And I've spent three weeks basically building this lock program and everything and if you watch the pregame show i actually had three boxes and two boxes and added a little bit more production to what we're doing um so that's pretty cool did caleb odom come to tonight's game i'm worried about bama taking him um yeah caleb, caleb odom was there jared killed it proud auntie stacy robinson yes jared, jared's the man he's the man two and a half sacks tonight yeah he was unblockable by Vanderbilt. Unblockable. Fantastic. Congratulations. I know you're very happy. Uh, Matthew Mitchell, with OU losing to Kansas, what does that do resume-wise for Texas and Bama since Texas beat Bama? Um, I, I don't know. We're kind of early in that, and there's a lot of football to play. Um, I think at this point, Texas just needs to keep winning, but they don't need to win too much because with Oklahoma losing, it, it, it could get weird. Willing, where do we go in the rankings? Sick of being outside the top 10. I think we're in the top 10, at least in the coaches' poll um, tomorrow, and I think we're going to end up around ninth in the college football playoff poll. Yeah. Dart was off, but we're spoiled with how good he's been doing. He'll be good. Yeah, he'll be fine. I'm, I'm not at all worried about what he could be. See, I believe we can beat AM, but we need to be solid on all three sides of the game. No, no, it's not, not necessarily. Have to be 
have to be good in one, like really good in one side of the ball. Like if our defense is really good and our offense is just okay, Ole Miss will win the game. The special teams, the punt team has to get better, has to get better. Because if you want to get beat in Georgia, let him shank a punt and give Georgia the ball at our 45 after a 10-yard punt and give them a short field with those athletes. That That is my concern at the moment. Dart's been doing so good that a couple misses make everything he did bad. Exactly. I don't think you read my comment all the way through. I grant it this was an irregular performance, but I just said it was – yeah, it's not a big deal. It, it's fine. Um, Alan Egram says, I wish they would save a spot from our next transfer portal guys for somebody who can flip the field and punting. Yes. Oh, the punting situation right now is my biggest worry on this game. Period. It's not even close. It was explosive plays in the safety position at the beginning of the year, but now it is clearly the punting position. Um, we need to clean up the offensive penalties. It's killing drives. Yeah, whenever Ole Miss gets into third and long, it's in trouble. Um, they don't convert a lot of third downs because of, like they said tonight, a lot of times they're trying to put it in a better place so they can go for it on fourth down. But the offense kind of gets weird once you start hitting third downs. The offense is better when it's like first down, first down, first down, second down, first down. And whenever that happens, the offense is in a better place. See, Jerry Marshall said two other running backs look good. Darton still needs some focus and game maturity, but otherwise did okay. Yeah, he, he probably didn't need to force that pass. He kind of Brett Favre to pass where he was trying to hit Caden Lee, who actually played in the two-minute in the first half, um, trying to hit him whenever all the linebackers were sinking. It's like they were just trying to give up a field goal at that point, and Jackson honestly should have taken what the defense was giving him, and he will. He will. Every situation where Jackson needs to learn from a mistake, he does. Um, I love Kiffin's mentality of good teams win like this, but great teams don't. Shows where they think, think this team is. Hey, this team has a lot of stuff on tape where they're not going into um, Texas A&M and Georgia, like resting on their laurels. They can be shown stuff on tape that things that they need to work on, like really think, like this game could have been a ball, this, 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 that type of stuff. And I think that's going to resonate with the kids and get their attention with A&M coming into town um, next weekend. I think that is absolutely the case. And, and Ole Miss is absolutely going to be up for Georgia regardless. But the Texas A&M game, I think this team is going to be up because they're like, hey, we did not play particularly well against Vanderbilt. We beat them, but that could have been a 56 to nothing game if we would have shown up. If we would have played three and a half quarters of football. And I think that's going to help the team going into Texas A&M, if that makes sense. Hey, we party McGee at 8 a.m. on the SEC game day. Um, 9 to 11 next week. We get fine bomb from 2 to 5 Friday in the Grove. Finally, should be pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, all of that stuff. We have all the pieces. I do think we have helped. Always has plan. And remember, at this point, I think he wants to win. I think he thinks he's going to win against Texas A&M. So nothing's going to change on that one. 
I think the game plan, he knows what he needs to do to be successful against AM. Against Georgia, it's important to remember that he knows what makes that defense struggle and what was done against Alabama. Remember the 2020 Alabama game? He he knows how that defense can struggle a little bit. So we'll see what's up. Georgia Tech's up 46 to 42. Go Yellow Jackets. I always kind of root for the Yellow Jackets. I don't know what it is. One step towards beating Georgia and finally making it to the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, the next two years are absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. Our Arise Music says, I was at the game tonight, but with Vandy friends, just got to say what a beautiful campus and great people had a blast in the Grove. I know you can't tell, but Vandy is better this year. Yeah, they're definitely more explosive. If you look at their advanced stats, their explosive numbers are not what Vandy usually is. The quarterback tonight, they had to put it in there because Ken, Steel Ken Seals just couldn't move the team. Just a weird situation. Stop it, Stephen, with Dart wasn't bad. Being a homer is fine, but Glenn. He completed nearly 70% of his passes and had a touchdown running and a touchdown throwing. He did not play bad. He didn't. He threw nine incompletions the whole night. You're acting like he was 13 of 40. Chill. Seriously. Where do we go in the rankings? Um, I answered this one earlier. I think that Ole Miss is going to go into the top 10 in at least the coaches' poll. They're probably going to end up 10th or 11th in the AP poll. And I think that they'll end up at like 9th in the college football playoff poll. No one should be overthinking that one interception from Dart. He's a good quarterback and the reason Ole Miss is 7-1. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I think people have had it queued up to where whenever Dart was – Anything other than absolutely spectacular and making unbelievably clutch plays, you have it queued up that, oh, something's wrong, something's a problem. It's, and it was probably because you want the other guy to be the quarterback anyway. And, and, I mean, I have pretty little patience about stuff like that because if you want to say that he had an efficient game, sure. You want to say he had an okay game, sure. You want to say he had a bad game, I'm not listening to you, period. Do you think if we ran the RPO-style spread offense with no tempo, we would be a better team slowing down, looking at the defense to execute better? No, tempo is required. Um, this is from Logan Henderson. Tempo is required to put the defense at a situation where college kids can make mistakes. Whenever we go slower, the offense is less effective because it's kind of a simple offense. Hudson Albers said, I really feel like we should have had more video game style stats and prepare our starters and depth game. Yeah, that, that's fine. You Georgia beat this team 37 to 20, and you just beat them 33 to 7. It's fine. Let's see what Vanderbilt has done this season. Florida beat them 38-14. Missouri beat them 38-21. Kentucky beat them 45 to 28. They've scored offensively on everybody. Literally everybody. Their first game, they beat Hawaii. They scored 35. They scored 47 against Alabama and a and I'm not counting that. They scored 20 against Wake Forest, 37 against UNLV. Good God. Kentucky scored um, – they scored 28. Missouri, they scored 21. Florida, they scored 14. Georgia, they scored 20. 
Ole Miss, they scored seven. So Ole Miss is their least offensive output that they have had this season, period. So it's going to be fine. Jerry Marshall says, joined you at 1.2 subscriptions. Congrats on your success and 5K. Thank you, Jerry, very much. And, yeah, if you join me at um, 1.2 subscriptions, you you have a good idea of where we have changed um, over the years. What time do you think the UGA game will be? I think if Ole Miss beats Texas A&M's, it's a 2.30 CBS game. If Ole Miss loses to um, Texas A&M, it is a 6 o'clock ESPN game. Overlord Z says, hotty toddy, everyone. Hotty toddy, Overlord. I like bring Jim Miller back. Uh, I want Bill Smith. Bring Bill Smith back. I actually saw Bill Smith um, kick his 92-yard punt against Southern Miss in the um, in, in Memorial Stadium in Jackson. Georgia Tech just got the ball. They just forced a fumble with two minutes left, and they had the lead. I'm telling you, man, Georgia Tech. The offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech is the cousin of my co-host on SEC After Dark. And if you haven't subscribed to the SEC After Dark channel, I recommend it because you have me, you have Corey Burton, who does Believe on Georgia Dogs, um, which, I mean, that show should be interesting for the next couple of weeks. Just know he's scared to death of Ole Miss. Um, we're up Jake Thomas from Tide Talk Live, and we have Jeb Beecham, who is a Tennessee fan, and um, he's my brother-in-law. Who saw FSU versus Louisville for the ACC football championship? Honestly, not specifically, but, I mean, we were pretty consistently thinking that it was going to be weird, honestly. Let's see. North Carolina's top wide receiver is down. Oh, Tess Walker got hurt. Prayers up for Tess Walker. Um, Let's see. I think we'll go to at least 10 o'clock in the – or 10 o'clock. At, to 10 in the AP poll, this is from Jeremy Jamie Meredith. And like you said, nine in the coaches. And like everyone is saying, brother, congrats on 5K. 6K is next. Yeah, once we get to 6K, remote broadcasts become a thing. And once we get to 7K, call in showtime. Mississippi State lost the battle of the two worst teams in the West at this point. Just hang the banner for Auburn. You know, this is the absolute truth. Hugh Freeze is a coward. He is an absolute coward that has zero confidence in his team. Because if if Auburn would have played in the second half like they did in the first half, just to play calling, just turn it over to Peyton Thorne and let him go. With the receivers they have, I guarantee you that would have been a 42-10 to 10 type ball game. But Hugh Freeze just started running the ball and he got scared. He was a scared little boy. And after that, MSU got some confidence. Mike Wright got some things going, and they figured out some stuff that worked. And they were able to score a couple of touchdowns and make it a little bit closer than it needed to be. Yeah, Craig Craig Murray asked, is Monday's basketball game on TV anywhere? I do not know. Um, I'm going to look at that stuff up on Monday, honestly. Um, whatever happens this season, we got to win the Egg Bowl this year. If, if Ole Miss loses the Egg Bowl this year, get as mad as you want to get because Mississippi State's crap. They're doo-doo. 
Y'all go ahead and hit the like button for your brother Willis. Thank you, Riles Music. Lots of fun. The Reverend. So we're going to get out of here. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. And it's a situation. Ole Miss did enough to put the game away early to where it was not stressful at all to the point where the whole stadium cleared out at halftime. Did everybody notice that? Obviously, it was not a stressful game. Um, the defense is at a level that I haven't seen since 2008, 2009, honestly. And um, it's at the point that the offense is learning how to play with a defense like that. You don't have you don't need to call games like it's a shootout, like Lane Kiffin has been prone to do. You can call a game based off of protecting that defense and let them go out and win it when the offense isn't clicking on all cylinders. We have to get better in the middle eight minutes of the ball game. That that is Ole Miss's homework assignment going into Texas A&M. They have to get better in the middle eight minutes of a football game. First four minutes of the second half, last four minutes of the first half. The offense, everything goes into a lull, and there's a problem during that part of the game. And then Ole Miss has to get out of the funk, and then by the fourth quarter they get out of it, but that area right there kind of throws everything into flux, for lack of a better word. And before we get out of here, um, crazy thing is some state people were saying Woody Marks is a better than Q because he has like five yards more per carry. The, the state, <laughs> it's a situation right now where it's not a home run that they beat Southern Mississippi. And Southern Mississippi is due to absolutely terrible. But it's not a home run that, that Mississippi State is going to beat USM. Southern scored nearly 40 points today. So, hope everybody has a good time and enjoys this game. Celebrate it. Get ready for the fun to actually start because it actually does start starting now. Home game against Texas A&M, road game against Georgia. You're going to be less than a touchdown favorite against Texas A&M. You're going to be an underdog of probably 10 to 15 points against Georgia. This is the best team in college football. So we're talking about what it could mean. It's still going to be a real test. Now, if you look at FBI pro probabilities, Ole Miss is favored in every game but that Georgia game. But that Georgia is favored by nearly 70% against Ole Miss. It being a trap game will be important between Missouri and Tennessee. So we'll see what happens. But every team that has gotten Georgia's attention this season, Florida and Kentucky has absolutely gotten boat raced. And that scares the mess out of me. We'll talk about that as we get closer to it. Right now, it's Texas A&M time. Ole Miss a 33-7 winner over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Quinshawn Judkins had 17 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Todd Archie Manning in rushing touchdowns for fourth all-time. So that's pretty good indeed. So hope everybody has a good day. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow. We'll see you Monday. This has been the Locked On Ole Miss Postcast. Take care. Hotty toddy.